Hi, this is Jim Lobato. I'm the president and founder of a company called Performance Group. You're listening to the podcast version of a program that originally aired on BizTalk Radio Show. I started BizTalk so you can have access to today's leading experts about growing your company and yourself. BizTalk is produced by Performance Group, which is in the business of helping the leadership of growth-oriented companies realize their potential. We do this by working with their sales force and helping those individuals discover and develop their unique abilities and then align those abilities with their opportunities. That's why we're known as a Salesforce development company. I hope you enjoy this podcast. On our program is Barry Griswell. He's retired chairman of the board and CEO of the Principal Financial Group and the current president of the Community Foundation of Greater Des Moines. He's also author of the new book, The Adversity Paradox, An Unconventional Guide to Achieving Uncommon Business Success, which he co-authored with Bob Jennings. Barry, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. It's great to be with you, Jim. Barry, I reviewed your book, and somebody who writes a book like that, in my impression of talking to other authors, has been thinking about it for a long time and formulating in their head what they want to say. So finally getting it out of your head and onto paper, what were you hoping the readers would take away from your body of work? Well, you know, you're very astute. I uh, Clearly, the, I have been thinking about this for a long time. And and to a great extent, it, it comes from um, having been a CEO and had a lot of people, you know, ask you, uh, you know, what do you think the secret of success is? Or, or what are your ideas about being successful? And and you have to answer those uh, questions. And, I, and, and over the years, I've made notes and I've thought about it. And in some ways, this is a, an opportunity for, for, for me. And, of course, Bob has his views as well to to just share with, with people what I think the secrets of success are. And as you will see and you know, there are no secrets. It's really uh, a lot of hard work. It's a lot of things that go into being successful. And and, uh, and and really, I think overcoming adversity really gives you a wonderful opportunity to examine what some of those, uh, those uh, characteristics that you need to form to be successful are. When you look at the title of the book, An Unconventional Guide to Achieving Uncommon Business Success, the claim is this is an unconventional guide. So what is it about your insight that makes it so unconventional? Well, that's a great question. I, you know, I, I think that a lot of business books today, unfortunately, you know, offer this, uh, you know, I've got the magic formula. If you'll just do X, Y, and Z, you'll be successful. And, and what we're saying is, uh, and, and the unconventional part, I think, is it's really the, the failures. It's really the difficulties. It's really the adversity it's, uh, that, that give you opportunities to grow and to be better. And, and that, I think, is the part that's unconventional. And maybe the unconventional part is us saying that. I think people typically know that. They know you learn more from your stakes, mistakes than you do your successes. But to have somebody come out and use that as a template, uh, I think, is the unconventional part. Typically, you know, business authors have, you know, I got the get-rich-quick scheme, or I've got the manual that'll give it to you, and we're saying, no, that's really not right. It's uh, it's really uh, a series of things you learn, and you learn them best from overcoming difficulties. You write in your book, and, and I think the opening forward, I'm going to quote from the book here, you say, I believe everyone aspiring to be successful in business should read this book. What is it about your book that makes it a must-read? Well, you know, I I, um, I guess, you know, while while we all have adversities in our life and we all have difficulties, I think this book uh, chronicles
chronicles a, a series of people who had enormous adversities and who probably went from the furthest went the furthest distance in terms of overcoming adversities to success. A lot of people in our society, particularly the younger generations, have yet to go through this severe adversity. Maybe this current economic in, environment will, will give them that opportunity. So I think what we're saying is if you want to learn uh, clearly the lessons of those who have gone through extreme adversity and have achieved extreme success, it's a must-read because very few people in life have the ability or the opportunity to, to, to go so far, having come from, from such humble beginnings and such adversity, to achieve such great heights. So uh, I think that's really the, the key uh, that we're trying to, to get across. We've studied some great, great stories of people who've overcome you know, adversity to, to achieve success. That surprised me about your book. I didn't know what to expect when I picked it up, but I was pleasantly surprised the fact that you went out and interviewed other people, as you said, who had some adversity and worked through it and were able to achieve success, however you, however you want to define the success. And I, so I thought that was a unique approach to that. So thinking back when you were interviewing these people and talking with them and, and taking down their insights, is there one particular person that sticks out? And if there is, could you share kind of their story with our audience? Well, I, you know, the, the, the be honest with you, they all stand out. They're all just uh, incredible. I, I'd like to, if somebody said to me, typically, pick out one. Just what's the one story that that really you think is, is uh, significant? I, I love the John Papa John story, uh, maybe because he's a local uh, you know, personality, but quite frankly, I think many times people, probably people in New York know John Papa John yeah. better than sometimes people in Des Moines, Iowa, you know, but, uh, you know, clearly an incredible story of coming, uh, you know, coming to uh, the United States coming to Iowa as uh, you know as an immigrant, uh, you know, um, coming from extreme extreme uh, po- not poverty but just humble beginnings, I guess. Having lost his father early on, um, having helped his family running a grocery store, you know, having uh, worked his way through the University of Iowa. He and his two brothers alternating working, um, you know, going out and and starting uh, an insurance and then starting his own insurance company, um, then selling that and becoming one of the early venture capitalists and helping others, uh, you know, be successful. I mean, and, and then giving back. I mean, my goodness, the, you know, John, John and Mary Papa John Sculpture Garden right here that we get to walk by and see in Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, he's just, um, he's kind of the quintessential, and we kind of hold him up in the book as kind of, if you were looking for an example of what we're talking about, John Papa John is really that example. In your book, you use the term called individual human capital. Tell us about that. Yeah, I mean, we, we, try, to, uh, we try to say that a, a, you know, the people that are highly successful, and I would say in life uh, as well as business, but we believe that they have, t- they have tended to build their own human capital. And by that we mean the... The, the basic resources that you need to be productive and to be successful. In business, you know, they would be, you know, r- normal capital, goods and services, infrastructure, technology, you know, human capital is really the, the part of that equation that really actually gets the work done. And what we're saying is to be a successful, to have productivity, you need to build your skill set. And, and we call those the human capital components. And as you go through the book, you'll, you'll find, as I'm, I know you have, Jim, that we really identify five things that, that individuals need to have. Uh, we call them the, the human capital components. But these are really the core characteristics uh, 
that an individual needs to have, and then there are skill sets behind each one of them. Uh, and, and, and that's really the uniqueness of that you don't have to go through the adversity yourself. You can read the book and learn how and what others have learned from adversity and, um, and, uh, and be more productive and, and, quite frankly, be happier in your life, more fulfilled. And I'll share from the book those five, introspection, values behavior, work character, purpose and passion, and thirst for knowledge. So, Barry, I assume as you interviewed these people, this was the common theme that they all had. That's right. It, uh, you know, we didn't, we didn't go into the interviews with, with those five, but we went in trying to glean the commonalities among all the people we interviewed, and not just the ones we interviewed, but those whose backgrounds we researched. And, and in, in each individual case, one of these five might, been, might have been more prominent, um, and so we might say that Peter Dawkins, uh, for example, the Heisman Trophy winner, even though you might think it's hard work or you might think it's, it was, it was actually uh, love for learning, lifelong learning. Peter Dawkins was, and so each of them had probably one of the five that maybe stood out, but, but each and every person had all five without question. When you, you know, look at adversity and people face adversity, what have you learned by going through this book and maybe your own personal experiences where some people make adversity a catalyst for growth and other people have adversity become a barrier for them? What's what's the difference there? <laughs> yeah, boy, you know, I tell you, Jim, you've just hit on, on, on the $64,000 question, and I'm not sure we're able to answer that. I mean, um, it, it certainly is attitude. It certainly is you do control that decision as to how you deal with adversity you personally can control whether you uh, accept it and move on. You know, we talk about having a pity party, and a lot of people have that pity party way too long. They use it as an excuse. They use it as a reason. But what, what distinguishes one person from another is probably beyond the realm of me to know. Sometimes it's upbringing. Sometimes it's, you know, hardwired. I don't know. But I think there is an innate ability within each and every one of us to do better at this to be more on the line of using it as a catalyst for growth. It does have to do a lot with your attitude, uh, with your, your state of mind, uh, and that is our hope, that we will encourage more people to take the high road and use it to grow and not to use it as an excuse or a reason not to. Barry, you've had the opportunity in your career to lead and direct people as well as an entire company, and one of the things about leading and directing people is getting them to change. You know, in the times we're in, there's been plenty of adversity, and adversity causes us to do things differently. So a common question I get from other managers and leaders of companies is how do I get people to change, change with the times? What advice would you give them? Yeah, yeah that's a, that too is a great question, Jim. I, um, you know, I think back to when I was CEO, or, or maybe I wasn't—I wasn't even quite CEO yet. I guess maybe I was down in the in the executive levels. But I think about the floods that we had here in uh, in Iowa, you know, in the in the in the 90s, and I think about that was a microcosm of what we're going on in the economy, you know. And and I can remember it, the company had to rally together uh, to figure out how to get the work done when we had no electricity, we had no water, we had no air conditioning. How do you get your job done in, in those kinds of conditions? And, and it's, it's interesting how when you have a burning platform like that, it's some, in some ways it's almost easier to get the team to rally together, to come together, to create uh, you know, that environment to move forward. And I, 
I've often said, you know, I, I'd, I'd love to create those kind of little mini environments, those little mini crises to get everybody to move in the right direction. So in some ways, adversity brings with it the opportunity to rally the troops, to get everybody focused on the more important things, because oftentimes survival is at stake. So good communication, focusing on, on the mission, uh, treating everybody uh, more egalitarian than perhaps we do when things aren't uh, uh, is in a crisis mode. You know, those are some of the things. And then I think good communication, always touching the people and keeping the lines of communication open during difficult times is incredibly important. Barry, as you interviewed people for background and material for this book, and as they told their story, I'm sure you had some experience where their stories were very similar to yours. So was there one lesson that stood out for you? Well, I, I think the, um, you know, I, I think the there are four of these components that are kind of, you know, you'd almost say, well, gee, I know that. You've got to work hard. You've got to, you've got to find your purpose and passion. You've got to, uh, you know, you've got to believe in, in lifelong learning. You'd almost say there are certain of them you've got to work hard. They're, they're kind of fundamental. But the one that I think is most unique, and I almost think it's like a catalyst or almost like a, an alchemy, if you will, is this notion of introspection, this notion of, of taking whatever experience you're going through and really taking the time to understand what's going on, to, to understand your own motives, your own um, you know what, what, who you really are. You know, we we, we kind of describe it as almost like a mirror that you get up in the morning and you look in, and it helps you look down inside and see who you are and what you're doing. That's the one that's unique. I mean, anybody can work hard. Anybody can follow their passion. Anybody can you know, have a thirst for knowledge. But I think it's uh, the one that really, really makes the difference is this introspection. In the book, we talk about it first. When I'm speaking, I like to talk about it last and kind of hold it out there as the aha. Um, and, and because I, I do believe it is. Uh, can I share a story with you? Sure. One of my objectives in life is to visit all the presidential libraries. And I've had a chance to visit a couple of those. And what I found fascinating was in all the presidential libraries that I visited, we know a lot about our presidents because they kept journals, not only when they were president, but through most of their adult life. And so you get to see some of the experiences that they went through and it's all captured there and that's a form of introspection as you call it and i'm just kind of curious as you've interviewed and talked with these people is that one of the techniques they had to develop introspection and that would be the technique of journaling um you know it's a it's an interesting question i i i think i would say yes and no um it, it almost it almost seemed like they must have surely have been doing that because it was so clear to them and they were so articulate in these things that they talked about. Um, and yet the, 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 the journaling in and of itself didn't come up. They didn't go find their journal and say, I remember this. But it, okay. almost, it almost sounded like it had to. I mean, I, I think Lee Lu, for example, who, who talked about growing up in, uh, in northern China and then having the Chinese-Japanese war and then having to move to southern China and being displaced and then moving to Hong Kong, and then being displaced and having moved to um, Brazil and learned yet a different language, Portuguese, and then coming to the United States, and you, and he spoke, you know, so articulately, uh, articulately about each of those experiences and the things that really impacted him in his life, and he was our, our, our the person that we held up as being probably most reflective and in using introspection, and you can imagine how you would have to do that if you were moving into new environments and new people and new languages that 
boy, most of us would probably just go into a little shell, you know, and say, woe is me, but he didn't. And, uh, and he's a great Iowan, went to Iowa State, and, of course, was the head of a, a large energy company. So share with our audience then, because obviously I think one technique could be journaling, but with your introspection, what would be the technique to help develop that? Is it just quiet time? or? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, there's several. I mean, I think, um, I think a great thing to think about is mentoring. I mean, you know, when you start sharing with another human being your thoughts and, and start talking about why you're feeling this way or, or, you know, what you learn from this. So mentoring can be uh, a, great, a great example. Indeed, quiet time, uh, reflective time. You know, certainly the written word has got to be part of this or the dictated word. Uh, I, I like to have always done it through uh, every year, starting off with a series of things that I really want to accomplish, and then being diligent. And I'm not talking just about New Year's resolutions. I'm talking about, you know, what is my personal mission statement? What is my personal vision for what I want to accomplish? And then keeping that front and center, you know, as you go through the year or the couple of years or even the decade. And then taking the time to look back and say, you know, I said I wanted to do better at this, and it's been two years now. Have I really, have I really done that? Uh, it's it's that honesty with yourself and self accountability that I think is so important. In your book, Barry, you give the definition of adversity, and the book we're talking about is the Adversity Paradox: An Unconventional Guide to Achieving Uncommon Business Success co-authored by our guest, Barry Guswell and Bob Jennings. The definition of adversity is this, the phenomenon of building outstanding success upon the lessons learned, overcoming serious, difficult, or misfortune. Now, given the year we've had, there's been plenty of lessons learned and serious difficulty to overcome. So the business environment we're in, when people come up to you, Barry, and talk to you about their adversity, what's the one piece of advice that you're giving them today. Yeah, you know, there's a there's a quote that I'd love to use, and, and I don't have it right in front of me, but it's by Napoleon Hill, and, and I'll and I'll give you the uh, you know the the general version of it, and it's like it's for every um, adversity, for every heartache, for every difficulty that you experience in life, there is a seed of uh, a benefit of equal or greater value, and I guess what I would say to to people is that. You know what we're going through collectively, or what you're going through in your own life individually. There is a seed in all of that that, that can be, um, uh, you know, watered and, and could be nurtured that will bring a benefit that's even greater. And you have to have the right attitude to look for that opportunity. And um, I mean, almost every great invention, almost every great uh, time and in, in, in history, has come on the heels of something bad. And so I think the the key is to go looking for the opportunities as we go through these difficult times uh, and not get down and think it's just more more negative coming. Say, you know, we'll end this somewhere. I guess it's the old there's a pony in here somewhere story. Um, you know, in, in each and every opportunity, there's something that can be turned into something good and great. We just need to go find it. We need to go looking for those opportunities. Getting back to what you said earlier about your attitude towards that. Now, the right attitude will open up those doors for you. One thing I enjoyed about the book, Barry, are the stories you tell about the adversities people overcame to achieve their level of success. You also share your story in the book, 
So do you mind if I ask you some personal questions? No, I don't mind. I mean, it, it took me a while to get comfortable talking about it, but it's in, it's in print, so sure, I'm happy to, happy to answer any questions. Okay, reading your background in your book, it's evident that your mother played a big part in your life. What's the one thing you learned from her? Um, that's, you know, in some ways, that's an easy question. I, uh, my, my mother taught me many things. She was the person who was most influential in my life. She did play both the mother and the father. And, uh, but the one thing that she taught me early on that I think is just foundational is, is the importance of telling the truth. Um, in the book, I think I tell a little story how, you know, my mother said to me, you know, son, if you're going to mess up, you're going to do things wrong. And when you get caught, tell the truth and you'll get punished, but you know, we'll move on. But if you tell me a lie, you're going to get punished for what you did wrong. You're going to get a lot more punishment for telling a lie. So I, I really grew up with this notion that I needed to tell the truth. And I remember one time I got, came home and I'd been smoking and she smelled a stench of smoke on me and called me over and you know asked me if I'd been smoking. And uh, this was, I think, the first time I can recall having to apply this lesson of telling the truth. And I really was squirming trying to figure out how to get out of this. And I, uh, I finally said to her, yes, Mother, I've been smoking, but I prayed all the way home that you wouldn't punish me. So, <laughs> so I, uh, you know, I, I, but it, that, that only worked one time. But, but I had this enormous, I mean, I can't tell you I tell the, that I've been 100% accurate in telling the truth. Of course, we're all human beings, but... I can tell you that's been one thing I've tried to live by is to be be truthful and honest, and and I think it served me well. If you would, share with the audience, you've had a lot of experiences in the, the path that you've traveled. What's the one thing or the hardest thing you've had to overcome? Um, you know, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, I, came, I came from a home of... Um, that had a lot of uh, alcoholism in it. My both my father and my stepfather were alcoholics, and uh, and and very sadly, both of them took their own lives. And, and I and I think those two collective things of dealing with of, of a father and a stepfather, the the influences that should be positive on your life that turned out to to not be, and and to have their lives end tragically by taking their own lives. Uh, you know, it's not just a single event that you have to deal with. It's kind of a collective. Thing that, that, that kind of gnaws on you through your life. So those, those, I would say that's kind of the, the two biggies for me, and they're kind of the same thing. We're talking with Barry Griswell, and we're talking about his book he co-authored with Bob Jennings called The Adversity Paradox, An Unconventional Guide to Achieving Uncommon Business Success. And I'll say that the title lives up to the book. It's absolutely a good read. I get a chance to read a lot of books, and this one is definitely gives you a different perspective. But as I read the book, Barry, I thought, what is your advice on how people should use this? Because it's, in my opinion, it's not a book you would just want to read. I think it's a book you want to study. So how do you think people could use this book to apply the principles that you outline in it? You know, that's a, you know I've had one of the things that Bob and I have experienced is very fulfilling for us is to have a lot of feedback from people saying, oh, you, you'd never have known this, but I went through something similar, or, you know, or I was a meth addict, and I brought my life back together, and, you know, I mean, I just so many stories of people that, that write and, and tell us that they, you know, and one of the examples that I've heard a couple of times is people say, you know, I read the book, and I liked it, and 
but I had to I had to go back with a with a highlighter and really you know make some notes and 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 talk and and write down what it is I wanted to remember from it. So I, I think you're right. It's almost more of a study guide. It's almost like you know you know let me read it twice and go back the second time and really pick out the three or four things that really might make an impact on my life and really try to do something with it. I mean, we don't want this just to be entertaining or interesting. We want it to be, you know, somebody actually takes this and goes out and does something with it. Now that you've written the book and gotten the feedback, is there another book brewing up in Barry's head somewhere? <laughs> you know, uh, Jim, there is, actually. I'm, uh, I, I, and it's not a business book, so maybe you won't want to, you won't want to necessarily plug it on your program, but... <laughs> But, you know, when my, my mother passed away uh, December 31st of 2008, uh, and I was, of course, there with her in Atlanta, and at the end we were going through her personal effects, and I found a diary that she had kept the 16th year of her life, and I had never known of that, that diary, of course, and uh, and it took me a while to, to even take have the courage to read it. And she turned 16 in February. She met my father in April, and she got married in October uh, of her 16th year, and he was 24. And... I'm writing a book on the influence my mother's had on my life, and I'm using uh, this diary as kind of the jumping-off point yeah. to, to illustrate certain things. What a great legacy. Yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to writing it. And if people were to go out and they want this book, which we're talking about, The Adversity Paradox, An Unconventional Guide to Achieving Uncommon Business Success, where would they go find that? Yeah, the uh, the local Barnes & Noble has been very good about keeping good stocks. Um, you know, Amazon.com, uh, you know, BarnesandNoble.com, CEO Read is, a, is an organization where you can get books a million. Um, it's coming out in paperback in a, in a couple of months, so the, the hardbacks may be getting in short demand, and maybe people want to go out and get one. After you got the book published and you appeared on programs like this and you're out promoting the book, What's the one thing that surprised you about this whole process? Well, you know, when you when you start writing a book, you, you, your timing is 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 up in the air. I mean, you don't know when it'll get published. And so, when we started writing the book, we were not in this societal adversity that we are. And of course, it came out last April, and of course, the whole world was coming unhinged. It seemed. Mm-hmm. I think the one thing that's been a, a bit of a surprise is the interest that the that people seem to have in, in, in the millennials and the younger generation and the under 30 crowd and how will they react and, and you know this may be their first adversity and, um, and and I for one believe they're a very talented generation or generations and they're gonna they're gonna survive just fine they're not going to survive they're going to flourish you know they're talented they're, they have they have the ability to deal with technology they collaborate well they, they learn fast I think this adversity is actually going to be good for him. It may be okay if it takes you three or four months to, to get a job, or it may be okay if you get an underemployed job for a while. I think uh, I think they're going to come out better for it. Barry, is there one question today that we haven't asked you that we should have asked you? <laughs> no, I don't think so, Jim. I think we've covered the, the waterfront front very well. Um, you know, I guess the one thing that's in the book that I, is one of my favorite parts is uh, – this notion of and then some, you know, particularly with young people, when they ask me, uh, you know, what's the secret of success? I say, you know, there is no real secret. But if I could give you one piece of advice, is two pieces of advice. One is work hard. So when people ask you to do something, do what you're asked and then some. And then over the longer haul, find your purpose in life. Find what you're supposed to be doing and pursue that purpose and pursue it with passion. So those two things, hard work and doing what you're supposed to be in life, are, are fundamental, I think. Great advice. 
The book is The Adversity Paradox, An Unconventional Guide to Achieving Uncommon Business Success. Our guest has been Barry Griswold. He co-authored that book with Bob Jennings. Barry, thanks for being on the program. Thank you. It's been great, Tim. This or other BizTalk podcast may be downloaded by visiting our website at www.biztalkradioshow.com or you can subscribe to BizTalk through iTunes. If you want to learn the strategies how to take your sales force to the next level, you can contact the Performance Group at 800-550-9509 or visit us on the web at www.pmgllc.net.